God is good. Hallelujah. Well, welcome to church. It's been a day. As far as I'm concerned, we could go home. Worship was amazing. God is so good to us. We're just frail humanity coming together. You know, well, I could get really sidetracked here, and I better not. Okay, I won't. Oh, God is so good. Amen. Red Letter Revival. Beautiful attitudes. The Beatitudes. We were going to fly through those in two Sundays. Did you know that? This is now week. I don't know how many. But here we are. And uh, we're going to move on. Amen. To the next Beatitude. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord God, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit will just speak through this humble vessel. Lord God, I thank you that when we are weak, you are strong. That when we search, we will find, and when we knock, you're going to open. And Lord God, all things that you have for us are available as we humbly seek you in Jesus' name. And Lord God, I ask you today, Lord, that you would pour out your grace and your mercy, that you would cleanse our hearts with the washing of the word, and that the bride here at New Horizon would begin to become a little less spotted and a little less wrinkled, a little less messy. And a little bit, bit more like you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. One day, a gentleman was at work in the downtown sector of a city. It was lunchtime, and he had walked the three blocks to his favorite sandwich shop. On his way back to his favorite bench in the park to eat his lunch, he witnessed two men in a shouting match. There was obvious anger over something that was important to both of them. Their faces were contorted with anger and frustration. They were jealous, and their quarrel was rupturing into an all-out war. Neither was willing to back down. Instead, they seemed even more committed to the destruction of the other before giving up their own agenda. Their bodies tensed, their extremities seemed prepared to become weapons of mass destruction. As the gentleman approached, he saw the passers-by begin to avoid them, giving wide berth for their hostility, as it was apparent they would soon come to blows. As the gentleman came within 30 feet, of uh, one of the men took a swing and connected with the other's jaw, and that's all it took. The violence was unleashed as flesh was bruised and blood began to appear on both faces. The topic of the dispute now was moot as the fury of the hatred became overwhelming. No one did a thing. Someone walked, some walked away as if nothing had happened. But if you looked into their eye, you would see they were shaken and uncomfortable. While others looked on, being entertained by the destruction, some taking sides and shouting encouragement and advice. By now, our gentleman was quite close and suddenly realized that these were the two men that he had made acquaintance with over the past months, as all three of them had at one time or another frequented that same park bench during lunch. The thought of these two destroying one another shocked the gentleman, for these two had once laughed together and shared common interest, and this gentleman had enjoyed their company. The gentleman dropped his lunch sack and jumped between the two, and into the middle of the rage, he took the punches that were intended for the other. The gentleman did his best to block the blows and stop the violence, but being outnumbered, it was difficult at best. And after what seemed an eternity, the gentleman was able to arrest the blows as the two were becoming exhausted. Panting and spent, the two men now glared not at each other, but at the gentleman who had interrupted their important business. Why did you get in our way? As he nursed his fat lip and bleeding eye, he said, 
Well, I was planning on sitting with both of you for lunch in the peace of this park and talking about better things in life. Shall we? He picked up his lunch and the three sat down on the bench once again. As the gentleman shared his sandwich, it began conversation of understanding and reconciliation between the two. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peace. Peacemaking. It's not peacekeeping. It's not peace hoping. It's not peace wishing. It's peacemaking. Making is an active word. It's a do word. Peacemaking isn't easy. It isn't neat and tidy. And peacemaking can get messy. A peacemaker does not avoid conflict, but engages it. Not to inflame it, but to resolve it. The end game of a peacemaker is peace through love and based on truth. What is peace? Peace is complete wholeness of relationship. Peace is seen through an intimate and close relationship. Tranquility, no disturbance, friendship is the order of day. Unity. The emotions felt in a peaceful situation is love, trust, accord, order, rest, joy. And in a peaceful situation, there's absolutely no concern for self, none whatsoever. There's no worry about self. So what is the opposite of peace? Conflict and war. Instead of wholeness of relationship, it's brokenness of relationship. It's estrangement instead of friendship. It's hostility, strife, and conflict. You now no longer have a friend, you have an enemy. The emotions felt then are anger, hatred, envy, jealousy, fear, and distrust. And it is a complete and utter concern for self. Self-defense, self-preservation, self-care, self, what am I, what about me? We are created in God's image. I've said it a hundred times if I've said it once up here on this stage. And the reason I continue to enforce it and continue to say it is because the more you know the image of God that's imprinted in you, then you will understand why you yearn for such things. You are made in God's image. God is three in one. His name is Elohim in the Old Testament. It's a mysterious word because that word says one, yet it has a connotation of plural. It is an understanding that there are more than one in this figurative Godhead, but they're so unified. They are so close. They're so knitly jointed together, and there's absolutely no concern of self within this trinity. There's a complete yielding and submission to the other. There's no fear in this place where God resides. Perfect love has cast out all fear. And no longer do any of those ones in the Godhead have to worry about themselves. And that is the habitat in which you were created. Your soul yearns for unity and peace. Your soul yearns for close relationship. How many
many times have I spoken to men and women alike, speaking and stating the feeling of aloneness and isolation deep within their soul. Fear, defensiveness, watching out. And Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, 1 and 2, of course. I always start with Adam and Eve. Don't you love me? I always go back to Genesis 1. It's my favorite place. But Genesis 1 and 2, you find God, the Trinity, the Godhead, walking in the garden and man walking with him. And there was a unity. There was a peace. There was a wonderful, uh, just incredible relationship. There was an openness and a closeness that we have never, ever, we cannot even imagine. But we can only dream of. In the word, it speaks of this relationship that we are to have with God. But there was a moment when Adam and Eve uh, suddenly started to think about themselves. I want, I want, I need, oh my, I want. Why did he say, no, I want, I want, I need. I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to do it his way any longer. And at that moment, a war was started. It was the war, the war that we face in humanity. You may think that there's a war in here and war there and war everywhere, but there's a war that was started in Genesis 3 that has yet to be completed in full. Not until every soul and human being on the face of the planet yields back control. The war that encompasses the whole entire world. Not one piece of geography has been left untainted by this war and has involved every single human being ever war, uh, born. That war is God at, uh, man at enmity with God. Romans 5.10 says that we are enemies of God. Romans 8.7 says our minds are hostile to God. Our friendship went from friendship to estrangement. And Adam and Eve hid, defended, and from that moment forward distrusted God. Coming out of that war with God, man became at enmity with each other. Man against man. And by the time we hit Genesis 6, we find that the world is now filled with corruption and violence. Man against man. The word violence means cruelty, injustice, and oppression. The war within with God spawns a war without and between humanity. And the loss of peace was immense. Isaiah 6, 9 says, though, an incredible prophecy comes. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, the ultimate sovereign over peace over the reconnection of relationship. 
the Prince of Peace, the one who brings tranquility and wholeness of relationship, jumped between God and man and took the blows from both sides. He hung on that cross and he took upon himself the wrath of God for the sin in humanity and he took it on in full. And yet at the same time, when he turned this way, he was taking the wrath of man towards God. What do you mean you're the son of God? If you're the son of God, get down off that cross. Jesus Christ stood right in the middle of this war, this enmity between God and man, and he took the blows from both sides. Oh, Jesus. Isaiah 53, 5. Isaiah 53, 5. Turn there. Surely he took up, I think I started on verse 4 there. Sorry, guys. Surely he took up our infirmities and caught, carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. The punishment that brought us peace, peace with God, was upon him. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ walked the face of the planet to bring peace between God and man, to end the enmity, to end the war. And I would say to you people here today, has the war ended between you and God? Peace, tranquility, joy, unity. You, God, the creator of the universe, you, human. Blows my mind. Blows my mind. So how can we get peace if since we have been justified through faith, then we have peace with God? What is this? How is this? What's this trail to peace? Because I want it so badly. Number one, the first step to find peace in any situation between God and you or between you and man is justice. There has to be justice. There always has to be justice. For every time there's a sin, there's a debt relationship made. If I harm you, then all of a sudden inside of you, there's this feeling inside of you that, what? You owe me. And I do. I owe you an apology. I owe you retribution. I owe you repentance. I owe you because now there's this estrangement and this debt between you and me. Peace can only come until there's justice. That's why we call it the justice of the peace. Told you that a few months ago or a little while ago, and y'all thought that was pretty cool. So those of you who didn't hear that, justice of the peace. Society cannot have peace until there's justice. And whenever justice is not quite right, peace will never reign because there will always be a debt relationship between each other. Justice has to happen. And in that war between God and man, justice came to pass on that cross. All we have to do is accept him. Hard to believe. 
Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Maybe I should. Maybe I'll. Maybe I. Maybe I should. Maybe I should. Maybe I should. Maybe I should. No. Complete justice was fulfilled on that cross. What is how to get to peace? Justice is first. Second of all, repentance. I'm so sorry. Repent. Turn. Run. Run from the things that are breaking relationships. Run from those things. Alcoholic, stop drinking. Liar, stop lying. Adulterer, stop adulting. Green. <laughs> oh, you rebellious one, stop rebelling. Guilt, stop. Repent. Mourn. Justice, repentance, and finally reconciliation. Reconciliation. There's so many verses. I didn't write them down because I didn't want to take too much time on reconciliation. But we have been given now this ministry of reconciliation. We have been reconciled to Christ. Somebody find the verse. I, can't, I didn't write it down. We, it's, it's somewhere in the New Testament. We have been reconciled with God. Just believe me. Jesus Christ reconciled us with God. Now we have the ministry of reconciliation. It's our job. It's the ministry given to every single one of you. Oh, Lord. Justice, repentance, reconciliation. True peace is based on truth. And peacemakers require truth. We can't have truth. We can't have peace based on Peacekeeping. Peacekeepers are ones that see the injustice, see the trouble, know of the issues, but just want to kind of, you know, cover it up. Because we've got to keep the peace. So in a marriage, when one is out of control and wrong and the other one's tiptoeing around just to make sure that they don't blow up, that's peacekeeping. And I understand that because sometimes we have to do things to keep the peace. But the moment you can make peace is the moment that peace will actually happen in relationship. Are you hearing me? Peacemaking, I want you to see the difference. So what is false peace? If, if true peace is based on truth, false peace is based on ignoring the truth. And Jeremiah, I don't want to take you all the way there. Jeremiah was a uh, prophet of Israel, and Israel was in sin and having trouble. And, and Jeremiah was sent to Israel to tell them, hey, listen, people, it's bad. You guys are bad. And if you don't, like, change, bad is going to happen. Bad, like really bad. And that was his message. Turn, turn from your wicked ways, repent, change, Repent, lay this down, get rid of it, go, run, it's going to be bad. And then do you know what the prophets and priests were saying at the same time? Oh, listen, Israel, it's okay. God's a God of grace and mercy. You don't need it. It's fine. Peace, peace. It's all peaceful. We're fine, we're fine, we're fine. And Jeremiah's over here, no, you can't have peace. There's trouble coming, there's wrath coming, there's, there's judgment coming. We have to repent. Oh, people, it's okay. 
a little this, a little poo in the brownie is okay. <laughs> you won't die right away. You might get a tummy ache, but it's okay because the brownie's worth it. <laughs> this is truth. This is what happened in Jeremiah's day. And I, you know, we, we are at a point in history where we can look back and sure enough, Israel did not repent and they were carried away into, into captivity. The wrath of God fell. Truth, it has to be based on truth. True peace has to be truthful. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Jesus calls us to join in peacemaking. And if you become a peacemaker, you now become a son of God. A son of God. Not a child of God. A son of God. Now let me give you the difference between the two. A child of God is the statement of a position. You are his child. But when you are his son, and this is male and female, but I want you to understand the difference between a child and a son. A son of God is actually a statement of character. If you are the son of Dwayne, you are a chip off the old block of Dwayne. Now, if you're just his kid, that's a problem. But if you're his son or daughter, that means that you bear his name, you bear his character, and you bear resemblance. You're a chip off the old block. And what God is saying here, what Jesus is saying here in this beatitude, that if you become a peacemaker now, you're becoming more and more like him. More and more like him. Now you are a son of God or a daughter of God. You're not just his child. Amen? Since peacemaking requires truth, it becomes very unpopular. And if you choose to be a peacemaker bringing truth, you're going to kind of come up with some stiff resistance at times. Let's look at Matthew 10. This is a, these are some words of Jesus that uh, fly in the face of everything that I think of Jesus of being. Because Jesus, I mean, isn't he kind and sweet and loving? But Matthew 10, verse 34, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to earth. Wait a, wait a, wait a minute. I thought you said you were, you were for unto us a child is given, unto the earth a, a, a son is born. And you're going to be the prince of peace. It's going to be glorious, this sweet little boy. I, I wonder if he ever cried when he was a baby. Mary probably looked at him and said, excuse me, you're the prince of peace? I don't know, just a thought. Do not suppose that I became to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, he brought a sword. Down through the ages, many Christians have used that verse to pick up a sword and kill in the name of Jesus. The Crusades are a bloody, dark time in Christianity where they killed the outer body in the name of righteousness, forgetting the really, the, the true aim of righteousness is to the heart. This verse has been permission to slay. But what does he mean? What does he mean, Joel? It says here that he did not bring peace. He brought a sword. 
Well, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, uh, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it penetrates even to divide the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow, judging thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 says it's the word of God that is a sword. And when that sword is yielded and wielded using delivering truth, now we're not slaying the body. Now we are using words, God's word, God's truth to go deep into the heart, to bring truth into the very inner being of man to where he can change it and where peace can be wrought. For it's truth that has to divide, not us. And truth will divide. Truth will divide. There are going to be mothers divided against children and children against mothers and fathers. There will be division. There will be a division. At the end of the age, there will be a division. I've spoken of this before out of Jesus' words that there will come a time where the chaff is separated from the grain, where the sheep are separated from the goats. There will be a division right down the middle with truth. You might think that I am giving you license to go out and wield your tongue with truth to this world. I have one more bit of advice from the scripture. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, his life was anything but peace, but his truth brought peace. There are many ways for us as humans to bring truth. We can confront, we can put on placards and declare the truth. We can just tell it like it is because it's truth. I just told them. I just said it, all right? Because, you know, I'm not very good at mincing words. I'm not going to mess around. I'm going to go straight to the bottom of it. I'm just going to let you have truth. It's for me. No, here's the, here's the kicker. You got to do it like Jesus did. Jesus was merciful. He was meek. He was tender. He was gentle. He was loving. He was joy. He was, pace, he was patience. He was gentleness. He was self-control. He was not offensive. He let the word be offensive. And he was the most gentle, kindest, loving deliverer of truth. Speak the truth with you have no right to handle truth until you have it cloaked in love. Can I, should I say that one again? You have no right to handle truth, especially in another person's life, until you have been slain by love for that person. And you have spent time on your knees because what you are going to be and asked to be is a peacemaker, bringing two together to live in unity, not destroy them so there's no more fighting. It is a fine art to be a peacemaker. It is a fine art. It's an art that calls us to love. 
It's an art that calls us to love peace, to love relationship, to love that mother, that father, that child, that friend, that coworker, to love them as a human being and to the one that, whoever, to love them, to love them to the point to where you're willing to bring truth into the situation, but you're not going to bring it at your timing. You're going to bring it at God's timing because God is the ultimate peacemaker and he's already got it laid out and it's his dream and desire that they would first come to him and you are the one that gonna, are going to Show them who he is. Peacemaking. You thought this was going to be an easy one, right? I did too. When I saw, oh, peacemaking, that's going to be sweet and lullaby. And sweet. Jesus was not offensive. The truth was offensive. Jesus loved he hung on that cross, and he was so meek. He was so God-controlled. In his, He had the bridle of the Holy Spirit upon his actions and upon his mouth that even when they were uh, mocking him and spitting at him and ripping his beard out, he did not utter a word against them. But he hung on that cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know, uh, they don't have an even an idea of what they've done. Love, love, love. Romans 12, 18, I love this verse. It's our family theme. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Don't you love that verse? If you are a mother or a father, you've got to just, you've got to teach that to your children. And you, they need to quote it inside. Kids, how was that verse? How'd that go for you during growing up in the wolf house? <laughs> Peacemaker, peacemaker. Who's the peacemaker? <laughs> if at all possible, so far as it depends on you, live, it, live peaceably with all. Do you know what that verse says? That verse says that there might be a possibility where there won't be peace. This verse says that sometimes there's division but that division has got to be laid out because of truth, not because of you. That division, that, that struggle of should I, okay, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to. That struggle has got to be there because of the sweet truth that you've carried into the situation, not because you set them straight. But there are times where there's not going to be peace. Because they've rejected truth. Amen? John 14, 27. This is Jesus. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let, alone, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. He's not just leaving any kind of peace to his people. He's leaving his peace. And the peace that Jesus walked in was a peace beyond understanding. Philippians 4 tells us that if we will commit everything to prayer and supplication, then the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. That's the peace of God that he leaves us. I don't care what you're walking through, and people, I'm walking through some struggles right now. We just kind of are. But the peace is still there 
You know, it's one thing to read that verse when all is all rosy, but it's another thing to read that verse when things are a little bit not rosy and to realize that, yep, there's still peace to be had. I want to I take a minute right now. If you are at odds with God, The only thing that stands between you and peace with the Lord is for you to yield to him. If you're at odds with God, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and life has hit in such a way that it has caused you to look at him and go, what? This doesn't fit. The Lord would say to you, Jesus Christ is the peacemaker and he wants to make peace with you and God does not want enmity with you. And he wants to hear your heart. He wants to hear your pain. He wants to hear your suffering. He wants to hear your frustration. Just read the Psalms. David spends more time pouring out his soul about his pain and frustration. God, where are you? God, where are you? What are you doing? He's not afraid of that and I would ask and plead with every single one of you, that if you are at odds with God, quit running, quit defending, quit hiding, turn to him and get it out. He will not be offended with you. He will not be offended with you. But instead, he will reach down and gather you up. He has yearned to gather you up like a hen with his chicks. And he wants to gather you up. And he wants to say, I know. And he wants to make every promise come true that everything that has come against you will be brought to the good. Yield, 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 yield. Get the rebellion, yield. Don't let your pain, don't let what happened, don't let your childhood, don't let it hamper for another second peace with God. Because you can't have peace in your marriage or with your children or with people around you if you are not at peace with God. If you are at enmity with God, and then you try to love another, it will not work. Your love will fall short because as soon as they break you or do something wrong, you are ready to fight. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, right now, put your hands in the air and say, Father God, in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, Lord, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, come close to my heart. I repent, Lord God, of any brokenness with you in Jesus' name. Lord God, I will not carry any enmity with you. I will not. I confess right now in Jesus' name. Father God, oh, what can he do with an army? of people who are filled with his love and not a speck of enmity, not a speck. Now, let's talk about you and you and them. Let's talk about you and them. Peacemaking, peacemaking, peacemaking. God's desire for you is to never have enmity with man. The violence that was unleashed, yes, band, come forward, good job. 
I'm into this thing here. We need to end this, unfortunately. The violence that was so rampant in this world, it took three chapters, chapter three to chapter six, the whole entire world was filled with violence and corruption and enmity between mankind. I'm not lying when I say to you that in the, any area, I'm gonna come back to this, in any area of your heart where there's enmity, to God, or maybe not enmity, but just, you know what? You're cool. Stay over there. I'm going to run this. I can't trust you in here. That's enmity. It's not friendship. It's not unity. Oh, throw it on the cross, people. Throw it. I keep coming back. To, I'm supposed to be on with man. Maybe that'll be a whole nother sermon. No, we got to do it right now. You are to be a son of God. You are to be a chip off the old block. You are to be bringing humanity together, not separate. And I feel this so deeply in the walk that I walk as pastor. Relationship, people. Relationship in the kingdom. Do you know how sick it makes me feel when I start sensing distance and, and weirdness with my fellow Christian? I hate it. I spend my life as a pastor meeting with couples to bring two enemies together. I spend my life bringing you to the Holy Spirit bring you together and I cannot tell you how important it is for us as we sit in these chairs to know that even a speck of offense a speck of enmity a speck of you be over there and I'll be over here causes such rift and such division in the body of Christ. I beg of you, I beg of you, I be a, beg of you to become a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper, that this church would be filled with true peace, with truth, repentance, and reconciliation within us, that there would be no estrangement between those body members of this church, and therefore between church and church. Remember, I always like to bring churches together too. Not one speck, no judgment, no looking, no watching, no, 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 none of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Rooted firmly in the peace. Let's all stand. I have read some amazing articles this week. I wasn't supposed to preach today. Zach was supposed to preach. Where are you, Zach? I ripped it out of his hands around Wednesday because I was so excited. Sorry. I hope you have no enmity with me. <laughs> Rooted firmly in the peace made by Christ, today's peacemakers must look to his life as a model. 
His peacemaking earned him the hatred of religious leaders and the derision of his family. His peacemaking led him to a garden not to, for quiet repose, but for a midnight wrestling, not for cool refreshment, but an over cup, overflowing cup of almighty wrath. His peacemaking led him to a cross. It led him to outer darkness, but it also led him to a crown, a thorn, a, a throne, and people from every tribe and tongue and nation. This is the lot of the peacemaker. Their bodies are scarred. They have been despised but they have a harvest of full, is full and their title is no cause for shame for they shall be called sons of God. I am asking you today, I'm asking you today right now, will you commit yourself to becoming a peacemaker? Will you commit yourself to making peace with God at all times, not allowing one single shred of anything to come in between you and him. Will you commit yourself to being a peacemaker? Raise your hand right now. Will you commit yourself to being a peacemaker in the body of Christ with every soul around you, with your marriage, with your family, in Jesus' name? Oh, hallelujah. Right now, I just want to just, just take a moment right now and just commit your heart to this. Commit your heart to this. This You're committing to praying for that person. You're committing to love that person. You're committing to get over it. You're committing to let go. You're committing to allow something in your heart that you've never allowed before. And when you allow that into your heart, you're going to become something you've never been before. You're committing to something great. The hands are going down all over the sanctuary. I'm going to hope that that's just because they're tired, right? You're committing. You got a baby in your hand. You could just, you know, yeah, there you go. Lift his hand up. In Jesus' name, you're committing, buddy, old pal. Father, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord Jesus, right now, in your heart right now, oh, in your heart right now, lay aside every critical tongue, every judgmental word, every separating thing, every offense. If you have an offense, if someone has an offense against you, the Bible even says, Jesus says, you lay your gift at the altar and run and find them, and you make it right with them because you are a peacemaker. And you love whole relationship. You don't like half relationship. I don't like half relationship. I'm committed. I'm committed to whole relationship with my Father God and with you, every single one of you. I am committed to that. Father God, let's worship. If you have something that you want me to pray with you about, I want you to come straight up here. I'm going to pray with you right now. Go ahead. Lead us out. Lead us out. Thank you so much for joining us today, whether it was online or live, or if you're watching this as a recording, thank you so much for joining us. Today's message is a powerful one that kind of draws a line in the sand for us. If we want to go the point of drawing peace, we need to make sure that it's encompassed in love. Even if our hurt or offenses with God, we want to make sure that we encompass it with love. When we turn to Him, we drive. He wants to be that peacemaker. He wants to do that in our lives, and He wants to do that in the lives of all the relationships that we have with everyone around us. And all it takes is committing to him and being willing to love the extra mile, love the extra distance, love the extra step. Our, our drive to peacemake in our own lives, sometimes even with our own selves, is, is to do just that, to see how God sees us, to see how much God loves us, to see how he has envisioned us to be. And then in that, in that amount of love, in that amount of knowing who we are, then can we draw that line to bring truth and to bring, to bring true, genuine peace into all that we are. And if you can't do that with God cleanly and peacefully and calmly, 
then turn to him in all of your emotions and let him come in and do that with you in the love that he has for you so that you can in turn continue to do that and you can continue to be a peacemaker. Maybe you're watching and your relationship with God has been rocky or you don't have one and you just stumbled across us online. And I would just say, ask God today, God, where do you want to bring peace to my life? And it may come across as a challenge to something or something you have in your life or a stance that you have or a view you have on life or a relationship you may have but he's gonna show you, he's gonna move, and it's gonna always be in love because he sees you as whole, as wonderfully and perfectly made and designed. God, we just pray that you would continue to release wisdom to those that join us online, that you continue to release peace, you continue to release love and identity, Father. Lord, we just pray that you continue to be exalted in every single way, Jesus. Father, we thank you for everything that you do for us, for every step, the cross, God, and every amount of love that you pour out from hereafter, from then, before, current, and continuous, Lord, and we give you all the glory. Make sure you subscribe. If you're watching us on YouTube, continue to check us out on a regular basis. And as always, you're welcome to come visit us here in Fife, Washington on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you in person. My name is Lawrence. Come and find me. I'm usually here, and we'd love to have you a part of our family in the actual physical presence. We love you. We bless you. Have an amazing week.